Hello and welcome to a brand new installment of Nintendo News Report for Friday, February 10th, 2017. I am your host, Alexander Cloffy, joined by a very special individual for yet another two-man show of Nintendo News Report. Today I'm joined by one Donald Terrio. Hello, Donald Terrio. Underdoing it, as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We have two people missing. Zach and Neil are both doing their own things. Uh, still Zach recovering also. from... Zach's, uh, yeah. Zach's also out with an upper body injury. He's been battling through all week. And uh, Neil's still recovering from the Super Bowl results. <laughs> I, I'm surprised you're here. Honestly, I'm surprised you're still here after the Super Bowl. But hey, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm one of the few people on the internet who actually wanted uh, Mr. Thomas Brady to win. Well, it's nice to see that the Switch ad actually was the thing that changed the momentum of the game. It's uh... <laughs> seriously like the win, like the win probability was doing this for Atlanta until the Switch ad aired, and then it just went. Which is like there, there's like three ironic things about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know what it's I, the Nintendo Switch is looking out for Alex. You got the fact that it's a Mario game with real people in uh, New Donk City. You got Travis Touchdown returning. You got uh, Shin Megami Tensei, and you have Patriots winning Super Bowl Fifty One. <laughs> All the important video game related things. Um, yeah, let's talk about some video games this week. Did you see yeah. that Super Bowl ad live, Donald? I I don't have cable, no, and I wasn't going to go out of my way to to lamp something when I saw the extended cut of the commercial on YouTube. Yeah, I was in a bar. I was, I was working because I do some promotion stuff for some radio stations on the side, and I was working at a bar event that the Super Bowl was going on at, and I could see the reaction. I could see all the drunk New England sports fans reacting to everything going on. And granted, up until that point, it went from, like, applause to, like, depression very quickly. But when the Switch ad came on, there was very little reaction it was almost as if it was it was like a regular commercial and not a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. But like you ever, like it's like you watch you watch a commercial. No one needs to react to it. It's just a commercial that's going on on the TV. That's the way. Like it got very little reaction from the people watching it. Yeah, I can, I can see. I mean, it was it. It's more to get the name out there. You know, get it in front of what I think was over a hundred million people watched some. You know, watch the Super Bowl and probably more than that watched some part of it. That said, I think it's smart that they marketed the Switch as Zelda instead of as the Switch. Because if you think about the people who are watching the Super Bowl, everyone's watching the Super Bowl. Kids are watching the Super Bowl with their dads. Families are watching the Super Bowl. Uh, You have people my age and your age with their friends watching the Super Bowl. But I would say they chose a game that skews more towards people. And let's say the 13 to 30 range mm, rather that, than a console which is just the new nintendo thing which doesn't mean anything to anyone outside of nintendo fans so by like attaching zelda to it it gives the thing a personality that it wouldn't necessarily have otherwise this this is going to be a place that you come to for great adventures and here's the release date <laughs> this is the place you go for great wii u adventures yeah, 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 Donald. Okay, we have actual news to talk about. 
We have MLG Dorito in the chat. Says smaller announcements between March and July will be at Pack Southwest, and announcements after July will be at E3. Uh, wait, was is Pack Southwest an actual thing that's happening? No, but uh, given what was announced this week by the ESA, um, we could see a Pack Southwest in a, in a year or two. Because there's there's packs unplugged, right? That's happening somewhere, but that's also happening in the northeast. Yeah. So we got we have there's three packs in the United States, and then there's packs Australia, which I think is obviously in Australia. I think in October, but yeah, right now we have a packs for all seasons, and pretty soon we might have a <laughs> the ESA might just wash their hands of E3 and give it over to packs and let them run it as a fan show for. For however oh, many people. Oh, I know. G Dorito got confused. That that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. because I understood your title. E three or Pack Southwest leads into our top story, which is the fact that E three, normally a trade event, is going to for the first real time give away not give away, but they're going to sell fifteen thousand passes to the public. Now this, I'm trying to be careful with the way I phrase this because. They've done stuff involving the public before. For instance, in the past, you could pay like something ridiculous, like $750 to get into E3 without any real credentials. Hmm. Like, like, that's a thing, I'm almost positive. And then there was also last year's E3 Live, which, yeah, which was, was it was outside, a outside the fest. Show. Yeah, it was outside the show hall and it had. And it had basically what would be available to the rent to let's say the GameStop employee that would be getting into E3 with those credentials. Yeah, but this year they're going to actually really open up E3 for people without credentials who just want to go. And the prices are Donald. I should know this, but let me guess. I know you have the stats. It's 150 early bird and 250 regular admission. Yep, and the early bird early bird entry is only being sold on the on the E three website on Monday. After that, it goes to the two fifty. Realistically, fifteen thousand tickets. That is probably going to go on the Monday. So I don't think the ESA is expecting many people to buy it at two fifty. Okay. Now I can't say I, I can't say what the eBay sellers are going to do when they get a hold of those tickets, but we'll see. Well, TRBR has a couple points. The first is publishers can go around journos why pay ESA for floor space, and then he also adds the only people crying for E3 opening to public are journos who don't want to mingle with plebes. So I actually went to E3 2013. It was my first E3, my only E3 that I've been to so far, and I think it was like one of the last good E3s. It was the first E3 that had a Nintendo Direct or a Nintendo Digital event, so I missed the Nintendo press conference train. But it was a year where Nintendo had a healthy showing, and then it was the first time we saw the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So I went to a legitimate E3. The thing that's a pain in the ass, and I mean this, I don't mean this to be like, oh, the plebes, the consumers, the whatever. If you're going to E3 to work, and so many people are going to E3 to work. We're going to E3 to work, but also think of the people who work for um, MSNBC, for the people who work for these non-gaming publications like Time, who actually do need to do 
this coverage, and it's one of the only times a year that this coverage reaches people other than video game players. It is a pain in the ass to get around the show floor. It's a pain in the ass to get in line, even though it's only industry professionals. It's a pain in the ass to do anything to traverse. And, like, you need to play 20 to 30 demos in a three-day period, and you need to have the time to write about it, and you need to have the space to write about it, and you need to have the ability to write about it. Throwing in 15,000 people going to E3 for nothing but the love of video games, but no professional things whatsoever. If if the if these 15,000 people were people who were just like, I really want to get into the industry and this is my chance to prove it, that would be a cool 15,000 people. Like, if this was the biggest networking event the, the game industry has outside of GDC, that would that would be cool. Right, if it was giving people without experience the opportunity for experience, that would be cool. But if it was just, if it was the people who just go to PAX for fun, who just go to play video games for a fun time, you're making coverage really hard for a lot of people who are just trying to do their jobs. Yeah, I'm not and... saying, I, I just want to say that I'm not saying that you're wrong necessarily. But I am saying that when people are complaining about the fact that it's going to clog up the floor and make it way harder to work, they're not wrong. And I, I know some people that work at E3 on the publisher developer side who are, you know, they're, they're the ones who are showing off the games and having to run security for maybe some of the people that got in who like, Again, well, I'll, I, I don't mean to impugn Game GameStop employees by doing this, but you know, GameStop employee level people who are like ripping swag out of people's hands or pulling posters off the wall that were glued on, having more of those is going to make some publishers probably less willing to actually go to E3 because now, sure, they're going to get it out in front of the fans, but it's going to drive their the rank and file employee who has to work the booth absolutely insane for yeah. a three day period. It's going to be great for those 15,000 people, but I think it could hurt almost everyone else, including, as you're saying, including the people showing off the game. TRBR uh, replies, that's my point. Their work is no longer needed, bro. Why spend LA money when YouTube will have equal or better reach? It's a glorified con that spends the, that costs the publishers far more money than it's worth in the YouTube digital distribution age. That's a whole different conversation about whether... The pen and paper press still has a place in our society. I argue they, I mean, I suppose we, but I, I, I would say they still have a place. I think it's just an industry that's going through some growing pains. I don't think it's growing pains that are going to be assisted through adding 15,000 people. And TRBR says it's, like he says, it's uh, more money than it's worth in the YouTube digital distribution age. These 15,000 people, a lot of them aren't even going to use the YouTube. A lot of them aren't going to do anything other than just go to enjoy the games. And then tweet about it or post on Facebook. It, which has value, but for the most part, I would, I would almost say that's more n negative than positive. Maybe the publishers are going to be, are going to be, are going to disagree. Maybe you're going to be completely right. TRBR. I just think adding 15,000 people to a place that's already packed and it already has publishers leaving it slowly. Mm, EA 
well, EA has their own thing that is open to the public, admittedly, but I don't, I don't even think they charge admission for it. And I mean, Activision won't be there. Rockstar is not going to be there, so you're not going to be able to play Red Dead Redemption Two probably on the show floor. Oh if you no get way, in. no way. We will probably get a trailer at Sony show, and that's it. Um, but I have no idea what will ultimately happen. I see two paths: one, either this is a success and TRBR is right, and the pen and paper press doesn't actually have that much of a place anymore, or there's more growing pains than we thought. Or alternatively, it ends up being a big disaster. And and based on what is going to ha- what's happening with things like NBA Live, uh, the game industry when it puts things on hiatus, they don't tend to come back unless they're day sex. But even yeah. that's not even a surefire thing anymore. Nope. Because um, yeah, it, it looks like day sex is is out of remission for the second time. Um. But that, that's not Nintendo news. Well, I guess it is Nintendo news since Human Revolution came out on the Wii U a few years ago. Yeah, but I, w- I wonder if any of those Marvel IDOS games are actually going to come out on the Switch. Well, yeah. I guess we'll find out at E3. Yeah. Because you know Square, uh, Square Enix is probably going to have their dog and pony show again this year. But honestly, like for me, as somebody who's on the home team, 90% of what I'm what I do is on press conference days, and then editing written impressions from our people on the floor. This year, I don't know how many people we're going to have on the floor. Um, I want to take some questions from the chat or some comments. Where was I? Where was I? Dark Wolf asks, you guys getting Breath of the Wild? Breath of the Wild is the video game I pre-ordered with my Wii U. The one video game I pre-ordered. You mean the Switch? My, my Nintendo <laughs> Wii U 2. <laughs> my Wii U U. Uh, yeah, I'm getting Breath of the Wild on Switch day one with my Switch. Donald, I know you're working on your Switch pre-order. Zelda, the game you get with it? Nope, it's going to be Bomberman. And maybe Disgaea, I suppose we'll find out next week. But uh, the um, my copy of Breath of the Wild that I'm still questionable about keeping, if I do get it, is a Wii U copy that I'm getting for essentially half off. Okay, so you'll you'll probably end up playing it on Wii U. Okay, let's see. The lines are going to be... Oh, he uh, RK commented that was a very good E3 2013, which, which I agree mm. with. Yeah. RK... And, and, yeah, yeah and, and NWR is going to be affected... I mean, we get it on both ends here, because now... Because we're... I'm not sure how our appointments usually... If we get appointments with Nintendo, so we're in that position where we have to raise 15,000 more people to the Nintendo booth to get impressions of the Nintendo stuff. The and... Nintendo booth is going to be the worst one of all because they're launching a new console, and the Nintendo booth is always the worst because it always has the most fan service, fan servicey stuff available to play. I mean, the, the lines for Zelda were absurd, and it wasn't even a public E3 last year, and that was Nintendo's only game, so all their demos were devoted to it. Yeah, and and you and they still had a situation where the line was being like they were not taking any more people in the line after an hour of the show floor being open. Yeah. And the, and those smaller publishers that I've talked, that I mentioned that are questionable, whether they want to put up with, you know, put up with the extra crunch of people who aren't there in a professional capacity tend to publish on Nintendo platforms. So that limits our, our, what we do get from third parties covering, covering E3. 
I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll wait and see what happens. We still don't have the floor plan for E3. That doesn't come out until like May. And for all we know, Nintendo will, they'll, they'll one down from last year and just skip E3 altogether. Mm. We will find, we will, probably won't find that out until the end of April. RK asks, there's a good question. Does Nintendo need E3 anymore? I think E3 almost needs Nintendo more than Nintendo needs E3 at this point. Yeah, and Nintendo has so, like, Nintendo usually has, like, one of the two largest booths at the show, or or one of the three, if you want to include, I mean, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, they'll have the three biggest ones, because they've got the most to show off, but I'm pretty sh- I'm reasonably confident that Nintendo might bring back Best Buy this year, so I'm going to get to go to the, play the big stuff for me three, hope, probably won't have to fly to the complete ass end of the continent to go see it. Yeah. E3 is a fun time, though, Donald. If you ever get to do it, if you ever find the right year to go, it's, I think, people look at the Nintendo World Store in New York as this mecca of being a Nintendo fan, and, like, it is, but it's not all that. I would say a really nice mecca to go to as a video game fan is E3 at some point in your life, which should mm. probably be in the next few years if it's at all, because who knows if E3 is going to be alive in five Yeah, years. I... I'm I am really afraid that this is going to turn out like we're going to see crowds comparable to 2006's E3 and for those who don't recall what what happened to E3 after 2006 they moved it to Santa Monica and put everything in hotels the next year so god help us yeah yeah um I just thought of something Despite being out already at this time, will Mario Kart 8 Deluxe beat E3 to show off how multiplayer is out of the box and it's a nice demo? No. Once Mario Kart 8 comes out, they're not they're not going to talk about it anymore. If Mario Kart 8 came out on, like, June 10th, they would talk about Mario Kart 8. But because it's coming out, like, a month and a half beforehand. Yeah. I mean, hell, ARMS comes out before, probably comes out before E3. I bet ARMS is probably the comes out around E3 kind of game. Like that late late May, early June slot? ARMS does not come out in April. No, um, that's Mario Kart's month. That's Mario Kart, and it's, uh, and it's another game we'll be talking about in just a second. I think ARMS needs to come out in May or early June. To, to, for games to be coming out at a nice clip, that's where ARMS fits in. I think, yeah, I think that that last Friday in May slot that Nintendo sort of walked away from last year, but that's because they really didn't have a whole lot to, to do at that point. So that, that Mario Kart 8 Splatoon slot, I could easily see arms slotting into there. And that's about a month from Mario, removed from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And one last point before I move on. I, I do see the hypocrisy, or not the hypocrisy, maybe it's the hypocrisy, maybe it's a different word, and me directly recommending E3 to you, and then in a slightly separate opinion say that 15,000 people shouldn't get to go to E3. No, I, it's, you're, you're being empathetic about it. I mean, you're telling the people who are now in a position to go to E3, hey, go to E3. It may not be around much longer. But you're also looking at it from your own, from the perspective of somebody who's gone there before in a professional capacity, and been like, "Oh God, adding fifteen thousand more people to this show is going to make it unbearable." Yeah, maybe that's it. I hear, that's my opinion on it. 
it kind of sucks from our perspective that 15,000 people, many of whom won't be working there, are going to be added to the crowds of E3. On the other hand, I'm excited that you're going to get to go to E3 because I think it's one of the most important trips you can make as someone who plays video games. And I think it's absolutely worth whether it costs you $20 or $1,000 to get there. I think it's worth doing at least once in your life. Okay, let's move on to our next topic. Speaking of games that come out in April, we have a date for one Poyo Poyo Tetris. And that is April 25th? Yep, this was the first game that I ever pre-ordered for the Switch. Oh, I, really? I, yeah, I literally pre-ordered it on Amazon in the line waiting to pre-order my Switch. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, the, you're excited um, about it. Oh yeah, this is the this is the. I mean, this is probably going to be what Mario Kart Seven was for the 3DS. That game we still play at at because we I still go to a Street Pass group every other weekend. We're actually meeting tomorrow, and our main games are Mario Kart Seven and Tetris Axis. So now this is going to give us this is going to give much needed variety to that. Plus, it's a game that I never imagined would come out in North America just because the licensing for Tetris is so screwed up right now. Hell, there's no P- there's no digital version on PS4 because the licensing is so screwed up. Yeah, I played it with uh, some some guy at Sega, I think. It wasn't Probably John. No, 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 because no, I talked to John after. <laughs> we talked about the surprise should make on my Tensei reveals for like 10 minutes. And then he gave me his business card, and his business card is awesome because in the faintest font possible, it tells him what a Shin Megami Tensei alignment is, and I won't share what it is on the air. You just have to go find John Harden and, and get his business card because it's fantastic. It, he, between order and chaos, he chooses the right one, Donald, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I hope at some point I do get the chance to get his business card. Uh, unfortunately, that would probably require a trip up north for him. He's, he's a very cool guy. Unless he's going to Boston, in which case we'll might, we might have him. He might have to referee a waifu war for all we know. <laughs> but but that game that game is a lot of fun. I am looking forward to it. I'm waiting to see how much content there is, whether the price shakes out. Because I won't, I won't have the opportunity for a lot of local multiplayer on it, so I'm trying to... Yeah, it, from from peop, from the import impression of the scene, it's got a pretty healthy amount of single-player content, and it's going to have online play as well. So you've... I, I, and it's only 30... It's 30 bucks digital or $40 US. This is all US pricing for, uh, for an edition that comes with a keychain. Yeah. So... I kind of need a keychain, so I'm probably going physical on this. So there's a ten dollar cartridge tax on Poyo there, Poyo there, There's a there's a ten there's a ten dollar cartridge tax, but again, you also get the keychain, which would probably it's be a ten dollar value. Bucks, anyway. U.S. pricing, it's thirty bucks digital, forty switched physical. Yeah. Okay. And if you and if you Amazon Prime or Gamers Club unlock it, it's thirty two. So it, yeah. it's not not too bad. It's not too bad. It's a little weird, although I'm very curious what the actual story is on why they had to do a $10 cartridge tax, because that's that's very unusual, or it feels very unusual. I mean, there is an Atlas tax, don't get me wrong, but it's usually a consistent Atlas tax. 
Yeah, they're yeah. usually usually they match, you know, physical digital because the 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 physical doesn't want to compete with the digital, but I think maybe they see the keychains as being the equivalent value for that. That's why you're paying slightly more. And more importantly, the Atlas tax is usually completely justified most of the time. Like, it's Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse is $50, but at the same time, it's a game that at minimum is like 45 hours of video game just to rush through. So it's, it's hard to... Um, but then sometimes there's Persona 4 Dancing All Night, which is like $10 of video game that they charge for 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cheer Goblin, did you guys see the video of the baby cradling minigame from 1-2 Switch? I did see that. Uh, that, that. That seems like a lot of fun. That seems really that, stupid. That that seems like an that seems like an RFN new business disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. But it, it got semi-confirmed or basically confirmed that there's 28 Switch minigames in 1-2 Switch. Yeah, and what yeah, they, I think they sh- I think they've now shown off uh, 18 of them. I think it was the number I was being bandied about as to what they've shown in those videos on Nintendo's Japanese site. But that's, yeah, that's good. That's pretty. That's pretty good. I mean, it's not be, great. It's it's an acceptable amount. It's more it, than 20, which is like unacceptable territory. But it's not quite 30, 35, 40, which would be a much more satisfying number. But that that is an awful lot of tech demos for the for the Joy Cons. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. I'm looking forward to when it becomes a reward on my Nintendo for three thousand platinum coins. You laugh. I'm almost there. <laughs> Here's the thing: if you've been playing Fire Emblem Heroes, you can get about two thousand coins from playing that game. It, it's, yep. it's closer to like a thousand or fifteen hundred, but like. I had no my Nintendo coins, and I was just letting them all expire. And then overnight, I basically had two thousand. I ended up getting the Zelda Picross just because I had so many to spend and I had nothing to do with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's that. Puyo Puyo Tetris. I'm I'm tentatively looking forward to it. I'll see what the reviews say, and then I'll probably pick it up because what else am I gonna play? Well, it comes out the same week as uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So that that's going to be some help. That that'll get the multiplayer community, the local multiplayer communities, at least where I am, revving up pretty fast. Yeah, Flame and Ashes asks, think 3ds will be at E3 or just an E3 direct, etc. Uh, hmm. I think they might. I mean, they'll probably still have the Pikmin game, maybe Ever Oasis. Yeah. But I suspect it's going to be. They, I, I don't know if they bring back the 3DS tethered to the attractive woman walking around the booth while you while you wait for a Switch demo, but that's mm-hmm. pr- maybe two or three games. Like maybe they have. I don't know if they bring the three new 3DS version of Fire on the Warriors, for instance. New Super Mario Brothers three. If they put the raccoon in there, I will buy that full price. I don't even care about Amazon discounts at that point. <laughs> Doesn't New Super Mario Brothers three kind of sound like a game that could come out in twenty seventeen on the three DS? Uh, although, really, at this point, they should do what they did with the Mario Land series on the Game Boy and make this one a Wario game because we haven't had a Wario game in a decade, and that would that would certainly spice things up for the last year of the last full year of the three DS. Yes, it certainly would. Then, then again, they should have put Wario into New Super Mario 2. At least then collecting a million coins makes bloody sense. 
They should have done a lot of things with New Super Mario 2, although I'm not complaining because that game was a lot of fun. Kane says, think we'll get an achievement trophy-esque system for the Switch, except you get my Nintendo coins or something. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think we're going to get my Nintendo integration at a uh, at a much bigger level than the mobile games. Hmm. I think that that makes sense, considering that's what, what they're doing with the mobile, and I think that's the way they tie their mobile stuff together with their console stuff. Yeah, like you get 200 platinum or whatever for for rolling credits on an, on Breath of the Wild, or get 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 a thousand if you manage to beat Ganon on three hearts. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so sad if they actually did achievements for every Nintendo published game that connected to my Nintendo, except they still have the exact same Zelda Symphony <laughs> trailers for like 200 coins and nothing well, else new. I let's just say I'll be very, it'll be interesting to see what comes out with the My Nintendo updates both on March 1st because I do all the updates for that on the first of the month and then on the 3rd when the Switch actually launches. Mm. Hopefully we'll get some details on that soon, but Nintendo's got a lot of things they got to talk about soon about the Switch and they're not really doing that. I'm really surprised by how the Switch stuff is rolling out or at the very least not rolling out. Because it seems like no press outlets, as far as I know, have the console yet. But at the same time, the Switch boxes are... Like, the final boxes are at retail stores. And it seems like they have final game cases at retail stores finally rolling out. And that system comes out in just over 20 days. And it seems like we don't know as much as we should. But I'm not worried about it. I'm just frustrated as a Nintendo fan. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it, I think part of the reason Neil's not here tonight because he's still burning up the phone lines trying to figure out where the hell the where the heck the review unit's going. Yeah. Or where the hell he's or when the hell he's getting it. But we'll we'll see if uh, if we're so lucky to to get a switch review unit. Joan Diaz, uh, why Nintendo stopped making the Nintendo the Mario series for 3DS? Well, there is a Mario game. For you coming out in March, and it is Mario Sports Superstars. They detailed the amiibo functionality, and it seems like there's going to be regular characters and then star characters, which you can get through regular gameplay, but you can also get them through the amiibo cards. And there's also going to be superstar characters, which you can only get through the cards, and those are going to be higher stat. But it doesn't seem like there's really much content locked behind the amiibo cards, other than maybe some ami- some uh, slight mini game stuff. But the more they're showing off about Mario Sports Superstars, the more awesome it looks. And I'm yeah. getting close to the territory where I might want to pre-order that game in a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've, I've already got it on pre-order because after that big bulge at the start of March, then my money does free up a bit. So I might have room for it. But I still need to go back and play Dragon Quest Eight and Yoshi. Mm-hmm. Pucci and Yoshi. So. Yeah. Okay, that's... Almost everything, but we also have Skylanders stuff. Tell me about Skylanders. Yeah, so so this is, last week was Nintendo, but a lot of the third-party companies that are publicly traded had their earnings calls this week, and on Activision's earnings call, they confirmed that aside from the Switch port of Skylanders Imaginators, which is still due out on March 3rd, there's not going to be another Skylanders console game this year. They're focusing on expanding Imaginators, mobile things, and a Netflix series. Mm-hmm. So, in, in actual fact, Activision only has two 
games that they're releasing before the end of the year, Destiny 2 and the newest Sledgehammer Call of Duty. Do they need much else? I w- the fact that all they've got... To, I mean, they made so much money off of Overwatch loot boxes and microtransactions for in- Infinite Warfare and even still Black Ops 3 mm. that maybe they don't. But well, maybe maybe as, they could be switching to the Blizzard model of having one or two extremely profitable games instead of like five games and three of them are risks. Yeah, and don't forget, they also own uh, King, the, the people what brought you Candy Crush Saga. So they, they've got, they got, they're going to have their money coming in. But as somebody who, who basically noped out of the initial Destiny beta because I didn't really care and... I'll play Call of Duty games if I get them really cheap, but for the single player, but that's about it. I would like to see something else out of them, aside from the the Crash Bandicoot thing, which essentially I think Sony is paying for. Yeah. John Dias, did you guys like Super Mario Run? It was all right. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, uh, yeah. I, I've had about, an, about 45 minutes with it over a week of Christmas. Uh, the demo was cool, was I thought the demo was pretty good, but I don't have the ability to spend to get the full game to see what the rest of it's like until March. Super Mario Run is a very sim- similar situation to Fire Emblem Heroes, and hope maybe you can agree with me on Fire Emblem Heroes because I know you've been playing more of that, Donald. Yeah. Which is our, our last thing we're talking about tonight, outside of extraneous chat stuff. Super Mario Run is like Fire Emblem Heroes. And that at its core, there's a good video game there. Super Mario Run, some people are calling it a bad game. I, I don't think that's true. I think it's harsh. I think it's one of the best of those level-based runners. I think it's comparable to the Rayman ones, which are very good. It's Super Mario Run probably about like a 7-ish out of 10. six point Well, 7.7 to 7.5 by mobile standards, 6 to 6.5 by just regular video game standards. Fire Emblem Heroes is a very similar way, where the base is pretty good. I just don't think the game has a lot of heart to it, and I don't think the game has a ton of variance to it, and it just... There's something about it that makes it feel like an off-brand Nintendo game rather than a Nintendo game. Which which is kind of surprising in Mario Run's case, and actually in Fire Emblem Heroes' case as well, because the original developers did work on these mobile ports. Now, what do you think about what I'm saying about Fire Emblem Heroes, Donald, as someone who's been playing it more? Now, you hear you heard a lot of my uh, experiences on yeah, this I think, game. I think, what do yeah, you think of it now? Because I'm about where you left off last week. Like Chapter then, 6? Yeah, I just got into I just got Chapter 6. And I, I mean, the fact that it took until I randomly built up enough orbs to get a five star, you know, thankfully without paying for any paying for anything mm. outside of blowing my Nintendo coins. I mean, it's still a good. It's a good game at its core. It's just it feels very restrictive. Although I, I although I think I'm going to blast through the rest of the game now with the party that I've got built up. <clears throat> and think about what gives Fire Emblem its heart. What gives Fire Emblem its spirit? The things that gives Fire Emblem its spirit is a sense of strategy. It's the story. It's the risk 
that's associated with playing that game, which includes the accuracy, but it also includes the large battlefields and the opportunity for various strategies. And then I think that those are the three tenets are risk, challenge, and story. Story. And there's not a lot of story. And what story's there is pretty damn bad. Like I don't want to. I don't like being the the press guy who is like, "Oh, that's bad. That sucks. That's crappy." When really, it's just like a six out of ten. The story in Fire Emblem Heroes is, is genuinely a very poor thing. Yeah, it, it is. It's an excuse plot defined. But it's boring, and like you, you have to click until you learn to skip through it properly. It's just, it's a slog to get through, and you give it a chance at first, and you're like, "Why aren't I enjoying this?" So the story lands on no front whatsoever. Then you're left with the challenge, which is extremely lopsided in this game. Because of the way the grinding works and the castles and stuff, the first five chapters are pathetically easy. The sixth and seventh and eighth chapters have a decent challenge. And then the eighth and ninth chapters leave you woefully underleveled for the most part. And it doesn't help that they dropped a mission that that essentially requires you to beat the game in order to, to get the character. God help yeah. you if you want to get the higher class one. Yeah. And then as far as the strategy stuff is concerned, I keep saying Fire Emblem Heroes is a really good game, but at the same time, playing Fire Emblem Heroes, I get the vibe that there's not actually as much strategy as the game claims there is. Mm. It does feel like... All you're doing is finding if you have a red hero, you go towards the green hero. If you have a green hero, you go towards the blue heroes. If you have the blue heroes, you go towards the red heroes. And if yeah. you have the book heroes, you go towards the arrow and the ninja stuff. And, and if you have a five-star crime, you just throw it at everything. Right. And, and the same thing. Like People were telling me five-star marts were doing like 30 damage a hit at, by like the first couple chapters of the game. Yeah, and I, I'm... Yeah, I'm, I I just had a battle with if because I that was the big thing that kept me going was a five star crom, and he's doing thirty with type advantage now, the because part I mean part of the problem with the strategy is just with you don't have to do as much planning because they've taken things like accuracy and critical out of the equation. Mm. You don't have to have that. It it it's just blind throw it. You don't have to worry about. Okay, what happens if the what what's the contingency if this attack misses or if this guy criticals? And there's and no risk whatsoever because there's no percentages at all. There's no accuracy. There, there's no accuracy. No, and for those who like to play with it on, there's no permanent death. Which I know why they took it out of this game, but it the the ability to have that on, I think, is going to give a give long time fans. I think they may be more into it if that was an option, but again, aside from loss of experience, like three days, you can't use the character, even 24 hours, something like that would work better than what they're doing now. Yeah. Because as it is, once you basically, once you settle on a team, you don't really use anything else. And like yet, I've got, yeah, I've got. I rolled a bunch of four and four stars to go with that crom. I don't see myself using another team for the rest of the game. No, it doesn't. The game does not encourage you. It's not like Pokemon X and Y or Pokemon Sun and Moon, where you're encouraged to constantly swap out your team and just try new guys. 
the game basically wants you to stick with one team or it wants you to pick multiple play with multiple characters but gives you no reason to do so yeah and the the ability to and it takes so long to build up orbs to get new characters unless you fork over a lot of money that you you've got no it's like okay i may as well just ride this horse as long as it'll take me and if it right. takes me all the way to level, you know, to the lunatic class missions, then so be it. And yet, Donald, there is something that works about this game that I can't quite put my yeah. finger on. Because yeah. I've been complaining about this game since last week's show. And you've still been playing it. I'm still playing it. Like, relatively consistently. I've turned it on yeah. every day since it's come out. I'm in maybe chapter six or seven in the hard mode now. And, and here's the thing, something that this is almost a spoiler alert, but it's not a spoiler alert. They don't actually finish the story. They just stop it with the promise that the story is going to continue in the future. So you get through nine chapters and it just leaves you with a cliffhanger. It's yeah. like a really frustrating cliffhanger too. I'm, I'm used to this sort of thing because I've been playing Pokemon shuffle for a couple of years and you know, they started with 150 stages which you can probably rip through in a comparable time to what it takes to get through Chapter 9 of Fire Emblem Heroes. But they're over 500 stages now, so this is going to keep growing. And the way they've talked about it, it's probably gonna, we're probably going to see the first new main stages next week. Yeah. But for the, the only thing I know with, with Heroes is that I've mentioned my roommate on the show before who's a obsessive with Fire Emblem. Hmm. Um, he started playing the game on an emulator because he couldn't, his phone wouldn't download the game. And thanks to my Nintendo, he was able to carry his stuff back and forth. The first day he got it on his phone, it crashed 40 times. He's still playing it. Mm. There's, and he's, got an, he's got an older model iPhone, so that's probably why it crashed all the time. He's not wrong to be playing it, because there is something about this game that works. Because yeah. it captures... Either it captures everything except the heart of Fire Emblem, or it captures the heart of Fire Emblem and nothing else. And I don't know which one it is, Donald, but you but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's something super off about this game, but there is something that strangely works about it. And I, I think that's something that we'll only be able to figure out as as we think about this game over time. And it makes me want to play Fire Emblem more. Was so yep. mission accomplished, Nintendo, because yep. I'm very excited for Echoes. I, and Neil mentioned that he went back to uh, went back to Fates as a result of Fire Emblem Heroes. So did he, did it's, he picked up Conquest, or did he want to go back to Birthright? I, I think he went to clear Birthright, and then hopefully he'll go to Conquest because that seemed to be more his bag. Yeah, that or that would seem to be more his bag. I don't know. He hasn't played I it yet. Had an excellent question in this chat that great to say before we close out the show and that's from cherry goblin cherry goblin says i never played any fire emblem game but i think heroes is pretty good for being free and yes cherry goblin for a free video game fire emblem heroes you, you can do a lot worse than it especially in the mobile territory i might get awakening or should i wait for echoes my recommendation get fire emblem awakening yes that's the perfect game for someone who's new to Fire Emblem. Yeah, yeah, you're you're not. At, I mean, you're not as new, given you've played Heroes now. You've got some basic idea, 
but awakening adds a lot of the a lot of the things we talked about like accuracy and does force a little bit more advanced strategy but you can also play it like heroes and with that ability to play it in casual mode so if right. i would i think either awakening or birthright but Mm-mm. of those two i would go awakening as the starter i recommend don't start with fates. I'm sure plenty of people started with fates, and I'm sure plenty of people are happy starting with fates. I'm confident that awakening is the better package than yeah. fates. It's better for a newcomer, but also it's just better overall, in my opinion. Fire Emblem Awakening might be the peak of that series. And I say this as someone who, who has his criticisms of Awakening, but Fire Emblem Awakening might be the peak of that series, just in that the marriage stuff, the story stuff, the gameplay stuff, it lands more notes overall correctly than I would say any other Fire Emblem game I've played. And I, I've played quite a few of them. Yeah, just if, if you can get around the fact that the characters don't have feet in Awakening, you'll it, it's it's a it's the perfect starting point. Here's here's the pathway for a Fire Emblem for for a person who's never played Fire Emblem but wants to play Fire Emblem. Get heroes. If you like the basic tactical gameplay of pressing something and making it kill something else in the weapons tree and the the triangle, whatever. Play that if you enjoy that after playing it for a little while. You don't even need to beat it. You just need to enjoy it. Go on to Awakening. If you love Awakening, you have two paths. Do you like the challenge of Fire Emblem or the story and like modern marriage stuff of Fire Emblem more? If you like the challenge the most, play Conquest. If you like the fluffier stuff, play Birthright. And then play the other. And then play Fire Emblem Revelation. Yeah. And then play Echoes. And then if you you really get into Conquest, uh, there's two fire em- there's three fire emblems on virtual console and two rgba games one the one ds game why they haven't put radiant dawn on there i will never know but probably they were waiting for, to put the gamecube version out but those might those are inexpensive ways to look into what to classic fire emblem if you are an early 3ds owner as part of the ambassador program and yep. you Secret never stones. Exactly. And you never played like your GBA games or they're just sitting in a folder and you haven't opened them for two and a half years. Play Secret Stones. That is an excellent way to introduce yourself to the Fire Emblem series. Granted, it doesn't have all the modern stuff, but Secret but it's got, Stones is it's cool. got some of the modern stuff, including a, a branching storyline, which you'll want which will be a nice lead into Echoes. And Sacred Stones is a great game. I, I would say it's one of my favorites that I've played. I want to play the game that's titled Fire Emblem on GBA. I've not. Yep, done that it's yet. yeah, it's like eight bucks on VC, so that's okay. worth grabbing. And cool. yeah, I think I think at some point this year, because I'm I'm planning a lot of vision quests this year, like Shantae and Lost Odyssey. But sure. I think I think I'm gonna finally crack open Sacred Stone at some point too. Cool. Um. Joan Diaz agrees. Uh, I wish Mario Kart comes to iOS and Android. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would that seems be very challenging. Yeah, 
that would be very challenging. And well, I'm really worried how Nintendo would monetize that game. You know, Donald, the fact that we're talking about Mario Kart on mobile tells me that it's time to end this yes. podcast of ours because we've talked about everything that we need to talk about. That's our show for this week. Our Nintendo news report for February 10th, 2017. Alex Kalafi joined by Donald Terrio. You can find me on Twitter at C-U-L-A-F-I-A. That's Kalafi. You can find Donald Terrio on Twitter at uh, D-O-N-A-L-D-M-I-C-K, as well as his uh, his other podcast, NFR podcast. That's Nintendo Free Radio. And we are on, uh, Patreon. on Patreon. Yes, patreon.com slash NWR. Uh, there is a Dragon Quest Eight game club up there right now for patrons. It will be going out on the live, on the full connectivity feed shortly, but if you want to get it early, Drop us a couple bucks a month, patreon.com slash NWR. And the real high rollers actually get to play games with us. We are going to bring that back probably next week. Yeah, I really want to play Dragon Quest Eight. So I I wish I could afford Dragon Quest Eight right now, but I go also go read Zach's review of Dragon Quest Eight on Nintendo World Report. Find out why I think it's the first 10 we've given in what, two years? Yeah, no kidding. So the last thing I want to mention is that we are on iTunes. We are on iTunes. Nintendo News Report. Look us up. We got a cool CNN logo. We do an audio version of the show. It's got some cool intro music. It's got some cool outro music. Look forward to it. And the reason why I'm telling you is not only so you can subscribe to us, but we are very much looking to get some more iTunes reviews from our oh-so-faithful listeners. So, if you listen to this show, and especially if you listen to us on iTunes, it would mean oh so much to me, and oh so much to Donald, and oh so much to Neil, and oh so much to Zach, if you would go ahead, sign into your iTunes account, that is either signed in and you don't realize it, or has not been signed in for six years, and do us a favor, and write a review, no matter how you feel about it, uh, put us on the map, that's what we're looking to do, we're, we're trying to put ourselves on the map. And uh, we, we can't do it without your help. So, that, that, that sounds like everything, Donald. Hey, All right, uh, let's... I, yeah, have, have a good night, guys. Take have care. Have a good night. Kill Bye. some heroes and fire emblem. Bye. Kill some heroes. Bye.